You know, all throughout the scriptures, God calls upon us to serve and not be served, to love and to serve our neighbor as ourself, to remember that in God's kingdom, the first will be last and the last will be first. There's maybe no more powerful place in the scriptures than when Jesus tells the parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25. Let me just share a version of that. This is from the message from Eugene Peterson. And it says Jesus is talking about this king, and when, when he finally ro- arrives, blazing in beauty, and all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. And then all the nations will be arranged before him, and he will sort out the people, much as a shepherd sorts out the sheep and the goats, putting the sheep to his right and the goats to his left. And then a king will say to those on his right, Enter, you will be blessed by my Father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. And here's why. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you a drink? And and when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will say, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. And then he'll turn to the goats, the ones on his left, and, and he'll say, get out, worthless goats. You're good for nothing but the fires of hell. And then those goats will be herded to the eternal doom and the sheep to the eternal reward. It's pretty clear in the scriptures that we are to be about serving, especially the least, the last, and the lost. And that is what this next year is going to be about here at Grace community. It's going to be a year of service. It's going to be a year of sharing our time and our talents. It's going to be a year of risk-taking service. It's going to be a year of what we are calling the big serve. Say that with me, the big serve. The year of the big serve, in that year we will be serving inside the church. We will be serving outside the church with our mission partners and our other organizations that are friends of ours. We will be continuing the ministries we have. We will continue the outreach opportunities that we are working in our community. We will continue to serve alongside our mission partners. And, and on that matter, you, on your tables, you have a booklet, is the Mission Partner and Serving Guide for 2018 2019. Has a list of our mission partners. We've We've reduced it a little bit by uh, some folks we don't have relationship with anymore, and we've added a little bit. And you can see the new mission partners. Many of them are the same. And you can also then, is the serving guide is in there as well, of all the different places that you can serve within the church, within the walls and outside the walls. So I would invite you to reflect on that. There's also a form there, and I invite you, I'd love for you to fill that out before you leave today of checking off the places where you are currently serving and also checking off the places where you are interested in serving. 
But don't do it completely yet because there's some new things coming and I think you'll be excited about them. So the big serve might look like this. It might look like leading or helping a preschooler in Sunday school or, or serving in the Bible study at 9.30 for middle schoolers. I don't know if you know, but it takes 18 people each Sunday morning to serve our children and our youth in those ministries. The big serve might look like welcoming worshipers onto the campus as a parking lot greeter. Do we have any parking lot greeters here? I see Sean. Anybody else? Any other parking lot greeters? You know, that's a really great job around this time of the year. But talk to those guys in July. It is hot out there. It is hot. Parking lot greeters. You might be a front porch greeter. It might Being part of the Big Serve might working at the info desk, which we're going to be renaming the hub soon. You'll be watching for more information about the hub coming. Or maybe you're the one passing out the bulletins at the entry doors to the sanctuary. It takes 10 people to get you from the street to your seat every Sunday morning. 10 people. You know, the big serve might be looking like helping in a tech booth, like Terry and like uh, Jeff that are out there, and, and Ken, and all the other guys who help, guys and gals that help with the tech team. It might be ushering, it might be playing or singing in the band. It may be serving communion. On a, on a regular Sunday morning, it takes 13 people to make worship happen from those doors inside here. When we add communion in, it's, it's 21 people to make it happen. So all total, it takes about 40 people on a regular Sunday morning to make worship happen here at Grace Community. And many of you are serving in that capacity, but we could also use many more of you to help serve as well. Being part of the Big Serve might also be serving with our mission partners that are, are continuing to be Family Promise of Hillsborough County, Ministry of Hope, Porch to Solomon, our friends in Panahachel, Guatemala. We've, we've got a mission trip, our first mission trip in several years planned July 27th through August 3rd. So if you're interested in going to Panahachel and visiting Hotel California there, then I would invite you to be a part of that and let us know soon, sooner rather than later. We are still ministry partners with Seeds of Hope, the Florida United Methodist Children's Home, and UMCOR, the United Methodist Committee on Relief. So friends, this year, 2019, is going to be a year of service. It will be a year of us sharing our gifts and talents. It will be a year of the big serve. Say it again, the big serve. So I'm going to invite you, there's no sense in sharing a meal together if we don't get time to share and fellowship, so... I'm going to invite you to have some time to eat for about five minutes. And I want you to talk about these two questions while you're, while you're eating. Where are you currently serving? And maybe if you're not serving, you know, where might you like to serve? And then secondly, what are you passionate about? If you could do anything to solve any problem, what keeps you up at night? What are you passionate about in this world? Take a few minutes to share and uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes. So we've, uh, we've talked a little bit about the, the big serve and what we're going to include and what has, has not changed. We're going to continue to do inside and outside of the church, but I want to share with you about three new initiatives that are coming that I am just uh, super excited about it in uh, Greg is not the only one on social media. I want to put this on my 
my FaceSpace page and my uh, Snapgram app as well and all that kind of stuff. Three new initiatives I'm excited about. You know, there was a time in, in the world when, when uh, everybody went to church on Sunday, all Protestants and Catholics. You know, as a town, you, you just went to church. And, um, but there's, that time has, has been gone for a little while, and time has come to an end, and, and Sundays are for many things, and for some of us, it was, was not part of our upbringing, so we, we don't know what we're missing necessarily. You know, the fastest growing segments of our society are what they call the nuns and the duns, not the nuns like with a habit on, but the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, they have no religious affiliation. They don't know, they didn't bring, come into the church through an upbringing. And then the duns have, are, are done with formal religiosity with the church. And something has happened to them, and, and they don't want to be associated with the formal church. And the, the church has responded in a couple of different ways. One, we ignored it, kind of put our head in the sand, and just hoped it would go away, and someday the glory days of the church will come back. And then we also casted blame on those folks that, you know, why are you not here on Sundays? Why are you playing baseball, soccer, volleyball, lacrosse, cross country? You know, why in the world would you work in a job where you can't worship on Sundays? Or, you know, so for whatever reason, the church decided as a whole, as a global church, okay, we're going to kind of blame people for not being here. And then the last thing that they did, the church and, and myself included, we we as a church tried to change, but we changed with doing the very same things we've been doing forever, just trying to do them a little bit better. Surely, if we just did a little bit better, then people will come back. Well, this next initiative I want to share is Fresh Expressions. It's a, it's a way the church is trying to respond to this, this trend of decline by creating new communities of faith for new people in new places, and in new ways. It looks very different from our version of church, which has evolved over 2,000 plus years since the first century in ancient Rome. Church didn't look like it looks now for us in lined up rows and, and music being presented and, and one person talking. Actually, church very much kind of looked like it does today. People were, without this stuff up here, without the performance of the music and one person talking about it, was people at tables and sharing together. That's really what the beginnings of the church look like. So fresh expressions are, are, are new expressions that reach a new people group, not church people, but people that wouldn't set their, foots, their, their feet, their foots, there we go again, set their feet on our campus for any reason. So I have a friend that does burritos and Bibles at Moe's. And, and it began with church folks, but they invited friends, and then the, the church folks began to, to exit, and it began to be non-church people, and, and people that just happen to come into Moe's sometimes. And they study a, 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 do a short Bible study, a share together. It's nothing super heavy. It's just sharing together, praying together, caring for one another. At the end of the meal, they share the sacrament of Holy Communion with a a hot, warm tortilla from the, uh, from the warmer, and whatever resembles grape juice coming out of the machine. And they invite the whole entire restaurant 
to be a part of that. I have another friend in, in Miami, and she does yoga chapel, where they talk about the scriptures, and they meditate on the scriptures as they do yoga for rehab, rehabilitation and for exercise. Another one that does dog park church, where they gather together with, they, they have this, this connection of dogs and, and loving of animals, and, and they share church. There's not, there's not singing like we do here. There's no lyrics printed or anything. It's just coming together. They're caring for one another. They might pray for one another, and they might share a short Jesus story. Others are kayaking with Jeff up in Jacksonville. They go out and they kayak, and then they share some stories. Uh, friends in, in uh, Naples have a community garden where they all invite the community on their property to work the garden all season, and they have a great big harvest, and they have the longest table you've ever seen, and they share in a great meal together out on the church grounds. By the way, we have a lot of property here that's very well irrigated. Pub theology, gathering together in a pub and talking theology, or tattoo parlor church is another one. We've been bouncing this idea around church, and I've heard some of you talk about the possibility of water aerobics church or or Green Egg Church, or maybe Barbecue Church. Uh, some of you have talked about the community gardening, or Healthy Living Church, or perhaps an expansion of our Team Grace Cycling to make it a fresh expression. So I ask you, what might your ideas be? Where, where are you passionate in your life? And, and how might you connect that passion to a need of connection with our neighbors in our community? One of these fresh expressions that we will be launching is something called Dinner Church. And you're getting a, a flavor of Dinner Church this morning. Are you guys, do you like this? Do you like eating, socializing? I, I don't, okay, we won't ever do this again because it doesn't sound like you like it at all. Remember, don't eat the Moroccan chicken, okay? This is a little flavor of dinner, what Dinner Church might be like without the congregational singing, without me up here for so long. That sells it right there, right? Dinner church is the ancient practice of community meal and sharing a short story of Jesus, okay? Five-minute story about Jesus. This is how the ancient church began. This is how Peter and Paul and Matthew and the rest of the disciples who went out, they started the church this way in the first century. There were no scriptures in the, of the New Testament yet written, so they would literally go and they would gather people together and, and, and have a meal together. As part of that meal, they would remember the Last Supper and they would share a story about Jesus. It wasn't written down, so it was literally like Peter going, hey, do you remember when Jesus did this? Or Matthew going, do you remember when he healed this woman who had been sick for so long? They were literally sharing stories like we share about grandma's story that she told every Thanksgiving. That's what they were doing in the ancient church. And so dinner church is about that, sharing stories of Jesus. People in our community that won't step foot on our campus, they don't have a problem with Jesus and Christianity. They have a problem with the church for whatever reason it is. They're okay with Jesus. Jesus is a good guy to them. It's some of us church folks, not any of us in this room, but some church folks who have gotten in the way of the story. I want to show you this video. This is a video of, 
someone who does dinner at church in uh, Seattle. And Verlin, is, uh, his church was in decline. He didn't know what to do. They kind of figured out what their burn rate was going to be and when the church was going to close. And they started trying things. And this is what happened. The Pacific Northwest is often called the nun zone because most people living there claim no religious affiliation. But one church may have found the secret to reaching the unreachable. Abigail Robertson shows us that their success started when they went back to the Bible. Seven years ago, the future looked pretty bleak for Westminster Community Church, a 92-year-old congregation located in Seattle. We started to decline at a pretty, pretty crazy rate. In fact, I published that our going out of business date was going to be November of 2011 if we didn't do something different. The more the city grew, the more its people changed. 90% of Seattle are very secularized in their worldview. Members of Westminster realized they had to roll with these changes in order to reach these people. So if we're hoping to stay in business here, we need to know how to take seculars to, to heaven in a way that they would gladly go. After a number of failed attempts, church leaders decided on a tactic from biblical times. The church for the three, first 300 years, there really was a dinner church. And once we started to own that, we thought, well, we've tried everything else and failed miserably. Let's go try this. Lead pastor Verlin Fosner says it only took about six weeks for their community dinners to make a difference. They were just flooding at us. So they just start grabbing a hold of their friends and say, hey, this is the family dinner table uh, for this, neighbor, this neighborhood. And we've all wanted to be neighbors. Well, now we've got a spot to have a family dinner and this church provides it and they talk about Jesus. And it's actually kind of interesting and it's not real religious, but it's very ins ins inspiring to us. Each night of the week, Community Dinners opens their doors somewhere in Seattle and invites people to share a meal together while hearing the good news of God's love. The one thing that I hear consistently is the peace in the room. People come in and they just go, there's a peace here, I feel peaceful. Brendan Perko literally helped spread this gospel community by starting the Pike Market location three years ago. He sees the dinner table as a very effective tool for discipleship. A lady that's been with us maybe for about maybe two months, two and a half months, she always says, well, I'm not Christian, I'm actually Buddhist, and um, I don't know about all this, but I do know when I come here, I feel uplifted, I feel encouraged, and I feel loved. Brendan made one of his first connections with Tulela, a man he invited in off the street. Some days I'll come in here and I don't even feel like being here. And and Brandon would guide me through it, pray with me. That's why I keep coming here, because, because I know it helps. It helps out. So the Lord, God guides me back to these people. Because if I'm not doing this, I'm out there doing other stuff that's not good. These people changed my life. In a city not known for faith, community dinner churches could help change that perception. 20 new locations are planned, one for each walking village around Seattle. We're glad you're here. Okay. And the idea is picking up steam. Community Dinners has garnered national attention from pastors around the country, and it has even proven to be a financially sustainable church model. $1,600 a month, and you can open up a dinner church that'll take care of 150 people a week. And so that's that, so money is really not much of an issue when it's that inexpensive. And now they offer affordable housing and job assistance as part of their service. Eat together 
include the poor, include the stranger, and remember me, talk about me. And what better discipleship is there than when you're sitting at a table talking about Christ every week. Verlin and his team have definitely answered Jesus' call to feed my sheep, proving that it only takes a little to reach a great amount of people. Reporting from Seattle, Abigail Robertson, CBN News. So friends, Dinner Church, I want to be clear with Dinner Church, Dinner Church is not a mission. We're not going to feed those people. We are, we are planting a church in a new community that happens to meet one evening a week in a building that we're going to borrow or rent or beg for, and we're going to serve a meal and we're going to come together as a church. And then during the dessert, we're going to share a story of Jesus and we're going to care for our friends in the much the same way that uh, Tallulah was cared for. Did you catch that? These people changed my life. And we heard, heard story after story after story. Verlin is going to be our coach through this whole entire process. And this whole process has been funded for this first year through the conference and through a gift of anonymous giver here, uh, Grace. And so we have no reason but to go forth and share the love of Jesus with people, people that would not come here otherwise. And so here's my vision for Dinner Church, is that we, I see five campuses of Dinner Church, one that is to the nor north, south, east, where, you get it, north, south, east, west, right? I used to know directions before I moved to Lithia. And one on our campus as well. We're going to go into neighborhoods that can't support a, a traditional church plant, and we're going to reach people that, that otherwise the church has kind of forgotten about and that people are not, that won't come here to grace. And we're going to do one eventually here for us as well, because I know you all travel, you have, you have students in college, you have traveling sports teams, you work as first responders and medical professionals who have weird schedules that sometimes put you out, on the weekends or you're in hospitality industry and you're not able to worship and we're going to create a dinner church here so that we can worship during the week not as a, a secondary thing like hey we're going to go to church on sunday and we're going to go to church on thursday too now this is and will be church as as a, another worship service opportunity so friends we're going to be planting churches and i see at least five of them if not more and it's funded this year. And just can you just, let's just imagine for a minute. If we're moderately successful, Verlin's church, he has over 20 dinner churches now. And they have between 150 and 160 people every single night of the week. So there's people in Seattle that if they're hungry, they know that they can go to a dinner church every single night. If they're hungry for food and thirsty for drink, and if they are hungry for the word of God, and to be cared and loved for, they can go to dinner church every night. If we're moderately successful, and we have five places, and let's just say we get 40 people who come to dinner church, that's 200 lives that we're going to touch with the love and grace of Jesus Christ that we would know, other, otherwise we wouldn't know them from Adam or Eve. Because they won't come here, and we haven't been going to where they are. So friends, I hope you're uh, considering how you might play a part in that and that these 200 folks that otherwise would not be in a community will be now in a, 
in a community where God's transforming grace is available to them. I hope you'll consider being a part of that. We've got a leadership team. Julie is on the leadership team. Jessica Solis is on the leadership team. Mary Michelson, they've been to training. I've been to training. And Peggy's been to training. We're gathering 15 to 20, 25 people for the next launch phase. December 8th is a training. We're going to be launching this in mid-February. It is on the books. It is going. It's going to happen one way or another. So we will need you to consider this as part of your big serve. Lastly, quickly, I want to share about a, a school partnership. It's going to be our last new initiative. We've entered a school partnership with Pinecrest Elementary, 3.2 miles down this road with the principal, Denise Mobley. And, you know, regardless of your political affiliation and, and how you voted on this last referendum, I, I think we all can agree that teachers are being asked to do more and more and more with less and less and less, okay? And, and students' job, this is what I tell my kids, your job is to go and to learn. That's what you do between 0 and 18. You go and learn. That's all you need to do. And friends, we, for us, we take that for granted, I think. But we have, statistics tell us, we have students who have so many barriers placed in front of them that learning is one of the last things that they're worrying about. I mean, the statistics are startling. We have 21% in the state of Florida, 21% of children are living in poverty. That means if it's a single parent and one child, that's about $16,000 a year is the poverty line. If it's a two-parent household and two children, it's about $26,000, $27,000. of them are living in poverty. 9% are in the extreme poverty range, which is half of that. We have 73,000 homeless children enrolled in school in the state of Florida. 23% are food insecure, meaning they don't know when they're going to get their next meal. They're not sure they're going to get their next meal. 84% are on free and reduced lunch. And if we translate that roughly to Pinecrest, they have about 600-ish students. That means 126 friends are living in poverty. Students are living in poverty at Pinecrest. 54 are living in extreme poverty. We have 11 friends over there that are homeless right now, if the statistics hold up statewide. 138 that are food insecure, and nearly 500 of them are on, almost all the students, Jen, right at Pinecrest are on free and reduced lunch, I think. Ms. Mobley has opened her door, says we're in the beginnings of stages. We don't know what it's going to look like. We uh, are going there and simply saying, how can we help? And the teachers and the students and the families will direct us into how we might help. It might look like getting in a classroom and helping a teacher, mentoring a student, tutoring. It might be helping out in the, in the, in the front office. It might be helping with special events that they have. One of the big needs that they I would have never thought about, they need substitute moms and dads for different events where, you know, uh, muffins with moms and donuts for dads and things like that. They have students for, for, for some reason, a deployment, a death, a parent who's working two or three jobs that can't be there. And so they're the only kid in the room or the couple kids in the room whose mom isn't there. They need substitute moms to come and hang out with them substitute dads. It might be all pro dads. It might be us going and doing a beautification or a maintenance project on a Saturday 
that they doesn't fit in their budget and they don't have the manpower to do. But, you know, we'd love to paint this wall or to weed this garden or to create a garden or, or whatever. So we're asking in, the, in this process of, of building relationship with Ms. Mobley and the SAC committee. I'm a part of the SAC committee now and trying to, trying to figure out how we can help, how we can be a good friend and neighbor to them. Their students are performing 10 and 12 points below the state average in reading and writing. And we need to help take care of some of these barriers of food and homelessness and, and connection that gets these barriers out of the way so they can go and they can do their job and they can learn because that's what they're supposed to be doing at this age. So friends, we don't know what that will look like, but together we can do our part to come alongside and remove those barriers so I'm, I hope you're considering how you might uh, sign up for that. I've already signed up. I'm committed. I'm going to be uh, tutoring or, or mentoring a fourth or fifth grader or grade classes in math. That's the one thing that I can somewhat do. And I've already turned my paperwork in. I've done my background check, and I'm just waiting to get connected. It's an easy process. This is what the big serve is going to look like, friends. It's going to look like us serving inside our church and outside of our church, doing what we've been doing, and then focusing on how might I come alongside or begin a fresh expression? How am I going to get involved in dinner church? How can I use my time and talents down at, at Pinecrest? One hour a week. Regardless of what job we have, we can all probably figure out one way to flex an hour a week to go and, and, and hang out with a, with a kid. Or, or maybe you can't do an hour a week. Maybe you can do a an hour a month with all pro dads or be a substitute dad or mom or something. But friends, this is going to be an exciting ride. So I'm inviting you to be a part of this exciting and transformational ride as we are creating a community full of smaller communities where all people can experience God's transforming grace. Here on this campus, at dinner church campuses, at fresh expressions all throughout our area, and at Pinecrest Elementary. And we're not going to say the word Jesus one time because we're not going to need to, because Jesus will be present with us as we're doing new math, and as we're learning reading comprehension, and as we're doing beautification projects, and as we're serving as the hands and feet of Christ in this community called Grace. Can you tell I'm excited about this, friends? This is the year of the big serve. So I'm inviting you to be a part of it, and, and I know we're long, and I'm going to invite the band to come up and do one last song, and but I want you to think about, we lost this last table discussion, but think about of these three new things, where might you see yourself serving? Maybe a fresh expression you might get involved in. You, you know, you like yoga, so maybe I could team up with someone and do yoga church. Maybe I could be, find a place in dinner church, or I can, I can give an hour or so for Pinecrest, or maybe I can be on the team to do beautification projects once in a while. And then I invite you to complete the big serve form. You can do that right there on your table. You can take it home. It'd be great if you could just leave it on your table when you finish. Or if you want to do it online, you can text big serve to 97,000 and you complete it online. When you finish, just bring it into the church or you can do it online again. You can do it at, uh, from your computer. Click on the big serve logo on the front page of the website and we'll take you right to it. Friend, this is the big serve and to me is what the church is to be about. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And, and if we're going to be like-minded followers of Jesus, we are to serve and not wait to be served as well. Amen.